everyone, and welcome to the all-new Forever Blue Shirts Radio Podcast, powered by ForeverBlueShirts.com. And welcome to another episode of the Forever Blue Shirts Podcast. Today is Monday, July 27th. We are just days away from an actual hockey game being played. The Rangers will be taking on the Islanders at 7 p.m. So I have as eight, my guest. 8 p.m. 8 p- 8 p.m. When did they change that? <laughs> it's 8. It's been 8 for like two weeks. It's 8 well, o'clock. It's prime time. Well, Rob just introduced himself. <laughs> so from Sorry. the New York Post, Rob Taub. And he also writes at the Isles blog as well. So, Rob, welcome to the show, my Islander friend. Thank you for having me. It's been a long time coming, and uh, I don't know how many people you're going to lose uh, as uh, viewers and as listeners after I'm on this podcast. Yeah, listen, man. I, I, shameless <laughs> plug. I'm I'm soon. I'm hoping to launch the DailyGoalhorn.com, and I intend on covering oh. the whole entire league. And then you know, this could be like one of those podcasts that could be a hybrid, where it's like it could yeah. be that, or it could yeah. be Forever Blue shirts. But the truth of the matter right. is. Our teams are in the playoffs, baby. It's been a long time, and we're in. So we're going to have some fun. Okay, I promise I won't give too much Panarin, you know, you know, jabs. Oh, don't worry. Look, he's my he's my choice for MVP. As much as people want to come back at me about it, I, I you know, getting to watch him up close as a far as opposed to McKinnon and to Drysdale, who, you know, if they if those guys win, okay, if they do win, great. You know, they deserve it. But Panarin, the Rangers aren't. I've always said it. The Rangers are not the same team without or not even the same franchise right now without uh, Artemi Panarin. It's so. hard not to agree with you. Um th- there's no doubt about it. I agree. First off, Edmonton has Drysidel as and Man. they have McDavid. They yeah. they're, they're a talented forward group, you know, and they were they were expected to be there. And then if you look at Colorado, I mean, they're they're they've got a bunch of guys who could all put the puck in the net. When you yep. look at the Rangers and you look at Panarin, uh, all I'm going to say is Ryan Strom was was playing very well when they traded for him. He was solid. You know, Ryan Strom has now become a decent second-line center playing with Panarin. So there's something to be said there. Yeah. I know. Look, I know that name very well. Alan Ryan Strom, he was an Islander once. Uh, fell out of flavor here. I just picked up Jordan, I believe, for him. Still still probably have won the trade after, after about two years now. Mm-hmm. But – I will admit, Ryan, like Strom looked like he finally came into his own this year. And it, I, I think it was in part due to Panarin uh, elevating his uh, yeah. elevating his play. But, you know, I want to see what he could do without Panarin. That's that was, that's where I like really want to see if Ryan Strom is going to be as good as we think he can be. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I feel like he's he's a better third line center than he is a second. I think so, too. But yeah. I could be completely wrong. I mean, he's been he's been shutting it down to doubters. So we'll see how that goes. But I, right now, I think what I want to talk about, and it was kind of a popular topic between myself and Jillian Kemmerer, who was a uh, who was on the last podcast, KHL reporter, and she mm-hmm. is intimate uh, with both the play of Ilya Sorokin of the Islanders now and Igor Shosturkin. So. Right. When it comes to Shesterkin, I think everyone knows in New York from a Ranger fan perspective, uh, and this show is pretty much geared to Ranger fans, but I'm hoping you plug it to the Islanders fans. They should hear this too. They should hear you talk. I will. Don't worry. I will. So I will. Um, 
the truth of the matter is everyone knows who Shesterkin is. They've seen him play this year. He had incredible numbers in the KHL. But again, does that translate when you get to the NHL? His AHL numbers were fantastic. And, you know, by all accounts here, he looks like he's legitimate and probably the number one goalie for the Rangers going forward. I agree. Uh, so now my question is, is Lamorello got Sorokin to come over. He played in camp. Now, he's not eligible to play in the playoffs. But well, he actually hasn't practiced yet. He's going to practice this week. He's probably right. going to practice this week. They brought him. He won't so play. They brought him, but he can't play. No, he can practice, though. He can practice. What have you seen in these practices and scrimmages that you like about him? Because everything I hear is this guy is just as legitimate as Shesterkin. Well, not even – I mean – like I was saying, he hasn't practiced or been in scrimmage. Hope, uh, and I wish he would have gotten to play Wednesday against Shostakovich because that would have been awesome to see. But just the highlights from watching this guy for the past five years, he—he's the real deal. He is the real deal, and it's just the Islands have been looking so long for a franchise goalie, and to get one like him, who is not even twenty-five, he'll be turning twenty-five. I think. Uh, I think it's this month, or yeah, I think it early, early, um, early in August. They, they're getting a guy who can be their guy for the next 10 to 15 years, if possible. And, you know, we can go on the argument that he can like, he's just as good as Shesterkin or even better. You know, the numbers speak for themselves. His resume is just, it's, it's just as good or it might be even better. And I think that the rivalry between these guys is going to totally, I feel like it can really elevate the status of New York hockey. I, I feel like the Allens haven't had, the Allens and Rangers haven't had like a player player rivalry like this in a long time. I mean, I'm only 25, so I haven't, I wasn't there for the, the Dennis Potmans and the Barry Becks and the Brodgill Bears. Like, I wasn't there for that. This will be a real, like, this could be the, this generation's like Islanders rivalry, uh, rivalry. And I think it, it's going to be great for the, the marketplace. I think it's just going to be great for both teams in general because both teams are going to be competitive over the next hopefully five to 10 years. And maybe hopefully they'll be competing for Stanley Cups both them for the next five to 10 years. But I think that I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that Sorokin is going to, is better than him right now. I still need to see him play. That's the main thing we're going to figure out once he plays. I do believe, I don't think he's going to play in the AHL come next season. I think the Islanders are going to bring him right. I think he's going to be right here in the mix. You're going to have Thomas Grice, who will most likely be gone uh, as a free agent, even though Elliot Freeman made a good point today that if Grice outplays Varlamov and takes the Islanders on a run like he did in, in 2016, you know, would the Islanders trade some in Varlamov, even after they signed him, you know, a few uh, last uh, offseason to a, a, a four or five year contract? And, you know, it begs the question, you know, could that happen? But I definitely think that Sorokin is going to be the real deal just from everything I've watched, everything I've heard, everything I've read. You know, it's been beaten to death how good he can be. And I think he's going to be that. All right. So a couple of comments from what you said. So Rob mentioned his age. I guess, Rob, because it's a Zoom call, right? And, and we're mm-hmm. doing this on Zoom. Rob sees a little gray in my beard. Apparently thinks I, I know <laughs> I've watched Barry Beck play. Um, no, did not. So I, I, my, my time frame with the Rangers kind of starts in the 80s. Um, you know, and at the time, the Islanders were a much better team mid-80s with them. <laughs> much better. Pat LaFontaine was, yeah, Pat LaFontaine was something to watch as far as I'm concerned, at least mid eighties. And, you know, the Rangers were just starting to come in their own, still took a while. 
But uh, yeah, I'm not that old one. Uh, two, I, I thought Sorokin had gotten into at least a scrimmage or some action. I know that his name was coming up a lot, but thank you for clarifying that. So he'll be no practicing soon. I appreciate that. Uh, and that's why Rob's at the New York Post and I'm just an independent right now trying to be, you know, trying to blow up the well, te- te- Technically, I don't write for the Post. I'm just a guy behind the scenes for doing digital production. But I... I, it's really, it's just following all the Island of beat writers and all the, you know, whoever else has enough information. <laughs> so they should let you write. I've read your work. It's good. So, uh, uh you know, I hope, I hope hey, to do that in the, in the near future. I'm going to pump. Hey, listen, if hockey players can pump each other's tires, I can pump yours. <laughs> Thank you. <Appreciate laughs> so, um, <laughs> all right. So we talked about Sorokin. We've talked about Chesterkin and I, and I do believe that I think the Rangers, Rangers and Islanders rivalry to me is the best in all of sports yet. Yankees Red Sox is kind of close for me. Uh, Yankees Mets is not the same. They play in two different leagues, right? So it's great. I do. do. I do think that the Island Ranger rivalry fell off towards the end of this past, toward the end of the half of this past decade, because the Rangers were not like, yeah, the Rangers after they made their Stanley cup run, in 2016, uh, 2015 kind of fell off. They felt, you know, they still made the playoffs and I, I was there when they, I was actually covering the Rangers when they played against Pittsburgh, but they were no match for the, for the Penguins in that, that series in, in 2016. And then it seemed like everything just seemed to snowball. And then for the next, you know, you had the last two or three years up until this year where the Islanders owned them. I mean, oh, yeah. like just from every game, it seemed like the Islanders, you know, the, the range were no match for them. So I think, that I'm not look. I still think it's a great rivalry. I think it's one of the best in the NHL. I think it's one of the most under, underrated in the NHL. But I think it definitely took a t- it tailed off over the past few years, and I think now it's going to start to make its way back. And you know, I wish they were playing each other in the playoffs because they haven't played each other in the playoffs since before I was born. And that would be such a great thing for the for the city for for the papers for everybody. Like it would just be nonstop hockey coverage for you know maybe hopefully at two weeks, sometimes maybe even three weeks. Like. That's that's just my take on it. And Rob taking another shot because I was born and I was of drinking age when the Rangers <laughs> knocked off the Islanders in '94. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, good times, good times. All right, God. let's move on to another important topic. Let's talk about what you know with regards to the Isles' new building. So tell tell everybody what's the latest. Uh, I did see that there's some trademark work going out there. They, the Isles filed for some trademarks like the bank or going to the bank and all this stuff. So what do you know? Yeah, uh, just today they did file for three trademarks, uh, the bank from the bank and United as one. And it's funny, I only a few people know about this, but I have a friend who's very close to ownership. And I got a call from him last week right after they made uh, made the news official about the U about naming it UBS arena. And I put on Twitter that someone said, what should the nickname be? I said, the bank. And I get a call, you know, about an hour or two later. And he tells me that, uh, I, the owner, John Ledecky saw, I guess he saw my tweet. I guess he has a, a burner account or something. I don't know. That's awesome. He saw, he, he saw my tweet and he said like, John saw that and he liked it. And they're like, that's what they're going to use. They're going to call it the bank. And then he said, in with he said to the media when talking about the arena, he said from the barn to the bank. So it was just two and one. And you know, I, I was very surprised that I got a call like that. But you know, I thought that was really cool. And if I played a part in that, 
awesome. Like that, it's pretty. It's something special I could put on, on my resume as an Islander fan. But um, no, look, the arena. It's coming to fruit. It's coming together. It's all coming together. Everything from the building being built to you know getting the naming rights, just all the pictures, all the renderings. That building is going to be absolutely phenomenal. And you know, it's only fifteen months away. It's really not that far off. And you know, I, I know when I walk into that building, I'm going to be astonished because never in my entire life did I think that the Islands would have a building that was state of the art that would, you know, do so it's going to change the franchise. It really, it's already changed the franchise in, in a few more ways than people think, but that building, it's such, it's just been such a long time coming. The fan base has been so, so desperate for a building like this. And just, it's really going to change the Islands identity. I think, I think they're building, you know, when they brought, when the new owners came in, John Ledecky and Scott Malkin, when they came in, they wanted to build their own identity for this franchise. And they wanted to bring it back to the times that it was not even just when they were a dynasty, but as they were coming up, you know, in the late seventies where they owned Long Island and they were the team, they were the team in the, uh, on, you know, they were the team of the town or team of the Island, whatever you want to call it. Hey, listen, four cups will do that. uh, Yeah. But just it's, they're taking really big steps into the future, which they needed to for, you can almost say two decades now. And that building is going to be, it's one of the biggest and it's going to attract free agents. It's going to change the entire feel of the franchise. A lot of players are going to want to stay here now. And a lot of players are going to want to come here and you're, you know, it's going to be the best building in the national hockey league, which that's more than Islander fans could ask for after all this time. Well, that that is a lot of wishful thinking in my estimation. I will agree with you. Any new building will definitely pump uh, a franchise and, and breathe new life into it. So especially I, this one. Yeah, it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. L- listen, as a Ranger fan, I know there's other Ranger fans out there and this is, we're just talking from fans perspective. I know we cover you call the it team. the mausoleum. I want that. Out of course team. I've called it the Nassau mausoleum and it was deservedly. So, Oh my God. <laughs> Come Steve, on, Steve. Oh my God, you listen to too much Steve Summers. <laughs> well, it, 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 oh come on, I love Steve. The, the Icelanders, come on, uh, Steve Summers. I know is that, great. that's classic. That's classic. I like that. But the truth Funny. of the but the truth of the matter is, like you know, when when you, it's fun to poke, you know, fun at the Islanders. Yeah. It's absolutely fun to make fun of the building. Now, some people like will joke, yeah, can't wait to you guys, you know, move to wherever. Like you know, you're gonna move to. Kansas. Oh, I remember. Right. I, 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 even though, even when I was like 10, 15 years old, I was hearing those jokes, but, but the one, and the one thing I always went back on with the Rangers before they renovated the garden, it was one of the worst places to watch a game. Cause the sight lines were awful. I mean, they were bad from behind the net and you're up in the 400s. You're it's almost like you're in Canada. I mean, come yeah, on. We didn't have an offside scoreboard. <laughs> the Barclays, no, no, was, the no, Barclays was a bad deal. Look, <laughs> Your mascot was a truck. I, I, I know. I, look, I know. I know you followed my tweets. I hated that place. The, a lot of the players hated it. The fans hated it. But it still can't be. Uh, uh, it can't be just uh, unjustified that that place saved the team. It did. It saved the team. But it also put the Islands on a path to where the owners had no choice but to move back around. They were their hands were forced. They had no other choice. So I I give Barclays credit but I won't give them that much credit because they could have totally ruined the franchise. This is where they belong. I'll be honest. Absolutely. This is where they belong. And I, honestly, uh, as much as I would poke fun at the Coliseum, Coliseum is a, a great place to watch a hockey game. Best no in the game. 
I, I really enjoyed watching hockey games there. And it, the building's electric, especially when the Rangers and the Islanders go at it. And I've seen some incredible, some incredible games there. Were um, you there this year? Did you go I to any not, games? I did not go this year. I, I wish I was I there for both of them. I was there for both of them. I've been there for many. I haven't missed that. I, I, really, I don't think I've missed an Islander Ranger game in my life, which is hard to believe, at the Coliseum or in Brooklyn. But when those two teams played at the Coliseum this year, you could feel that energy. You could feel that if these two teams, like we said before, if they would have played in a playoff series, that place would have been probably would have been bent to its knees because of how the the just the fan interaction, the the low ceiling, the amount of intensity that would have been going through the building. Mm-hmm. Even those regular season games, those things, those games came down to the wire, and you had the Rangers win both of them off just some of the crazy, like it was just some of the craziest atmospheres. Mm-hmm. And sadly enough, it was also those throwback atmospheres where you had fights in the crowd and you had the, you just, you had that, that extra, that extra energy that, you know, you, you, you were used to seeing before the Coliseum closed, but you know, it, it's also, you know, stuff you don't want to see you didn't see that stuff in Brooklyn. You didn't see the fights in the crowd. And you know, it was, it was a very more laid back atmosphere because the building sucked. It was awful. And mm-hmm. it brought no atmosphere. When those two teams play at the Coliseum, it's a totally different animal. Yeah, you're on and top of each other. Oh yeah, uh, you're on top of each other, yep. and the the sound and the noise reverberates from the mm-hmm. from around just around the bowl. So, yep. I but agree. you're totally right. They did be- they belong here. They should have never left. I blame that. Uh, we I'm not going to go on about Nassau County politics, even though I live there. But I know how much of a shit show it's been over the years. And now it seems like everyone now is working together. And I'll be happy once they. I'll be happy that they're playing their last year there. But Belmont full steam ahead and it's you know we're not looking back now let's talk about the New York Rangers versus the New York Islanders eight o'clock on MSG okay and Mm -hmm. I think we are going to see a full tilt hockey game I think both teams are going to use this as an opportunity to as a one game prep for their actual qualifying rounds. I don't think they'll treat this like an exhibition game and give the fourth line grinders more time than the other guys no way I do believe that they'll try and get everyone in the lineup ice time. I don't think that it's not about winning, but I do believe that, hey, in a normal game situation, I want my top line playing about 17, 18. I want my second doing about 16 and then my, my third line playing 14 yeah. minutes. And I want, my, I want my fourth line to get you know 10 minutes. So third line getting about 14, fourth line getting about 10. Get everyone some exercise and some work and get them in game shape feeling you all out. That's what I'm thinking. What is your, what are your expectations? What do you expect to see from the Islanders? I'll give some insight on what I'm thinking is coming from the Rangers. My expectations for the Islanders is they're going to treat this like it's a Stanley cup finals game. Uh, I think this, I wrote about it last week. This is the perfect, perfect tune-up game for the Islanders. And, I, and I'm glad that they chose the Rangers. I really am because like we, we, I mentioned just before the, the games that these two teams played in the regular season were down, like they were jam packed back and forth, except for the one Ranger blowout at the Coliseum. But uh, I'm sorry, one the Ranger blowout at the Garden in January. But I think that what you're going to see from from the Islands and Barry Trotz, you're going to see, you know, it's going to be full steam. They're not they're not going to take any chances. They're going to be they're They're going to be putting themselves into a playoff mentality. I think they're not going to take this game for granted. I think that we're going to you're going to see a lot of the first line. You're going to see a lot of the first line so they can get their legs under them. But I also think you're going to see you're going to get a feel of what the Islands will have coming from their bottom, from their middle two lines, because we already know what comes from the fourth line 
still the still the best fourth line in hockey. Anyone can debate it with Matt Martin, Cal Clutterbuck, and Casey Zizekas. And you're going to have a, a healthy Casey Zizekas, which really, really helps. And I, I just think that, you know, the Allens are going to treat this like a, like they're not going to treat it like an exhibition game, uh, defensively, offensively, special teams, and in goal. Barry Trotz announced today that uh, both Semyon Varlamov and Thomas Grice will both see time uh, uh, in between the net for, for the game. So that means they'll probably get the 30-30 split, which it's no problem, uh, no problem with that. Well, that will probably just uh, that will probably decide who gets the start in game one on Saturday against Florida. And I, for me, I think it might be, I think Barlamov has a little bit of an edge, but we'll find out. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that we're going to see, you know, a lollygagging type of type of game, even though the teams have been off for four months. I think you're going to see guys going pedal to pedal to the metal because this is playoff hockey now, and you want to get yourself into that mindset. And the Islanders, they were 0-3, even though it, uh, in their last seven games, even though it doesn't matter now, you know, the Islanders still haven't won a game in a, in a long time, and you mm-hmm. want to get that winning feel back in your system before you start a do-or-die playoff series because you're going from 0 to 100 right off the bat, right after that game is over, right after the buzzer sounds against the Rangers. It's playoffs. It's not you're, – you're not – you know, it's playoffs or go home. So – Yep. No, that's uh, those are some great points. I'm expecting it. Like I said, the same. Um, I think what you'll get is a heavy dose of physicality from the Rangers. I think what the Rangers want to do and what David Quinn wants to accomplish, not necessarily to me, it's not about winning the game. It's about playing high pressure hockey. I think he knows his club can, can be creative offensively. But what I think he wants to make sure that they do is they, they start banging the bodies because that's playoff hockey. I think he's going to want his guys to ratchet up the physicality. He's going to want them to, to finish their checks more than anything. And that's what he's going to want to take away from the game. And in goal, I think that you'll see both goaltenders. I think it will be Shesterkin and Lundqvist as his backup. I think Shesterkin will get two periods in preparation and Lundqvist will get the third period uh, just to make sure he gets his sea legs underneath them. But that's my, that's what I, I'm expecting. Can I ask you about that situation? Who did you want to, who did you want to see? In Igor that? Because it, you do. Igor Shesterkin. I, I know doubt. a lot, I know I a love, lot of Ranger fans want to see Hank get that one last shot. Sure. I want to see him lift the Stanley cup, but I'm sorry. It's gotta be, it, it, it'll have to be handed off to him. Uh, by Igor Shesterkin is basically what it's going to, it, it is what it is. I am, I have to look at things objectively. Uh, you know, when, when you're writing for, even if it's, it's your favorite team, it, you can't be taken seriously. If you look at things and you're, you're wearing certain, you know, a bias or rose colored glasses. I know. You, you mean my Josh Bailey colored glasses? <laughs> Someone's going to come after you for that on Twitter. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, oh, I know. But the, the, the truth of the matter is, Shesterkin, his numbers, he was the better goaltender. Down the stretch, it was Shesterkin's play. He played 12 games. He won 10 of them. He won five games of the 10 where he faced 40-plus shots. The kid exudes confidence. He's got the swagger. And it's not that Lundqvist can't play goal anymore. I I don't think Lundqvist's style right now suits the Rangers either. The Rangers want to be a quick transition team. And Shesterkin, I, mind you, I've been a, a fan of, of the Rangers a very long time. I mm-hmm. went from Mike Richter, yeah. forget about the goalies in between, to Henrik Lundqvist. Neither Richter nor Lundqvist 
could play the puck to save their life. It's like a grenade on their stick. And I, and this is all during both of them happen to have the glorious joy of facing right. Martin Brodeur, no matter what, who Martin Brodeur acted like a third defenseman out there. His ability to play the puck was unreal. And it's a weapon. And Shesterkin has that ability. His passes are ridiculously crisp for a goaltender. And they're solid. And he's accurate. And he's and he already showed he's got the gumption to, to, to go for an empty net goal. Yeah. You can't teach that. No. And you, you mentioned about the Rangers playing, the that Quinn wanted them playing heavy hockey. I agree. I, from the time that I think it was the game against Montreal when they, they came back, it was a the really big comeback against Montreal. I think yep. what were they down like five nothing? Yeah, I, it was November. So it was uh, was it November? I thought it you was later, to, but I think it was late I, November where okay, it started but, to turn I, around. Yeah, I feel like after that you saw the Rangers really play to their strengths. And I saw, you know, when I watched them play against the Islands, I saw that when they were all when they were playing heavy hockey, when they were playing, when they were skating, they're a very good skating team. They're a very well coached team. I think if they could play to their strengths against a team like Carolina, who, you know, I, well, I don't mean to mean to go off the grid a little bit, but getting onto that series, I think against a team like Carolina, who plays a lot, they play a very fast style. The Rangers are going to have to beat them at their own game. The Carolina beat the Islands at their own game last year in the playoffs. So it's almost like you're going to see have to need a repeat, but the Rangers doing it to, to Carolina themselves. But I think you say you're going to get a heavy dose of our time at Panarin. I know that. But one guy doesn't win a playoff series. One thing I'm worried about with the Rangers is their youth. This is a team that had, doesn't have a lot of playoff experience other than guys like Panarin and Lundqvist and maybe a, a few other names. So oh, this is going to be a brand new stage for, you know, guys like, like Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox and, you know, Mika Zibinijad. You know, it, all those kind of faces who are getting their first shot you know, it's easy to get to get stage fright. I've, I saw it happen with the Islands for in the in the past few, uh, like in the times that they were in the playoffs. Even though it was years ago, you you could see when guys, you know, are a little bit they have that little bit of doubt, like, oh, do we belong here? Well, and I know the Rangers have that mentality that they do belong and that that they do belong. And you know what? They made the playoffs. They're a playoff team. That's that's not a discussion anymore. But they're going to need to get into that. Okay, we need to be that team that. We, you know, we got to play to who we are, but we can't be afraid. We, you know, can't be afraid as, you know, where this is our first time here. I agree. And honestly, when I do look at the youth of the Rangers, so let's talk, let's talk about that really fast. You know, sure. you look at Kako and you go, wow. Yeah. And I agree. Kako's young. I, so I think sometimes not knowing what you're, what you might be getting into could be a blessing. I think right. Kako could, you know, playing third line minutes. I think he could do something. We'll see. Here's a player I'm not worried about at all, and who's a rookie, Adam Fox. I don't think that kid is going to be shaken. I don't think. I think he's. Yep. I think that kid is going to come in there and just it's a hockey game. Um, I think D'Angelo has played enough in this league to maybe not be totally rattled. It will be interesting because he is an offensive defenseman. So how does he handle it when he's pressured with the puck? He likes to make plays. People are going to attack him. Let's see how he does. When I look at the rest of the Rangers lineup and I'm going, I'm not really worried about Buchnevich because he's on a line with Zibanejad and Kreider. So I'm not looking at, at an issue. The second line, all to me, veterans. I don't think Strom's going to be impacted. You know, Foss has played in some games. You know, it's the heatles of the world. Maybe that's the biggest concern. Yeah. Um, Brett Howden just doesn't look like a guy who gets faced. So, you know, if Heedle doesn't play well, maybe you move him to wing, you move Heedle up, you move uh, Howden up and you put Greg McKaig on the fourth line. 
There's a lot. There's a lot there. I can understand people saying, yeah, the Rangers youth could be an issue. I think I it's also, on defense mostly. I think that's where that could that could be their downfall. Their I, I, I don't know. That's just I know the youth on their defense. I think but again, Lingren, yes. I guess Lingren is the only question mark for me. I don't see it in Fox. I really don't. I think Fox has played enough hockey this year and understands the initial game. I don't think he's going to be impacted. D'Angelo's maybe I can see where this a seeded doubt. Lingren is the big unknown because he's a big physical defenseman, but you know, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Who's that? Mike Tyson? That's the thing. Right? Uh, I think, I think so. it was Mike Tyson who said everyone's got a so. plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> I also, you know, I, we, we do mention you, uh, we, we did mention youth. And, you know, you mentioned a guy like Kako and a guy like Kreider. For me, Kreider has to be your X factor. I, you know, everyone says, Panarin, you know, Panarin's the guy, but, you know, I feel like Kreider, if the Rangers are going to go far in the playoffs, I think it, he's got to be the guy. And I'm not saying it's because, not even just because he signed that contract and he's going to have to live up to it. But I watched him when he was playing the last, when the Rangers had those runs in the playoffs, he was okay. He wasn't, he wasn't the Kreider that we know he can be. I feel like this is his, this might be the most unprecedented stage. And because everyone's on an even playing field and he's healthy now. Yep. So I feel like this is going to be the kind of stage where he could probably thrive. And I also think in a game, uh, against a team like Carolina, who likes to play fast, and they're not totally a physical team, but they they're they play with more pace. They play with more speed. They play with more gumption. Kreider is the type of guy who could probably feed off that type of style. I don't know. I'm not going to say it will work for several like some of the other players, but I feel like a guy like Kreider with his speed, his size, and his ability to drive the net and just his overall offensive awareness this could be the kind of series and maybe the kind of playoffs where he can really, really bust up. I, I, listen, it's hard to argue with any of those points that you made, but this is actually going to segue nicely because we're going to make some predictions really quick. I hate but, predictions. Uh, well, we're just going to, we're going to talk it out. Right. But before we yeah. do that, let's talk about the, the, to me, the future of Matt Barzell. What, what is going to happen with, with him? Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Let's face it. The arena is not built yet. It is coming. But what what's your what's your take on on Matthew Barzell? Because Tavares left. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's two. I think it's two totally different situations. Okay. I think, I think with Tavares, and I, you know, I, I hate getting into him. I hate getting into this whole conversation because it you know it has been almost two years, but it's always going to come up no matter how how long it's going to be. Uh, I feel like there are two different two different personalities. I think with Tavares, I think that he did all he could to get this franchise to where it be. And I just feel like Garth Snow just never put the pieces around him. And I think, you know, even though the Allens brought in Trotz and they brought in Lemerle and they did have the note they were notified that the building was going to like, they did win the bid for the building, but it wasn't built. And mm-hmm. a lot of things were still up in the air about where they were going to play and what they were going to do. I just think that Tavares, I think he maybe just got tired of all the nonsense and, you know, it, it sucks that he's not here, but in, ter- in transitioning to Matthew Barzell, I think that he is the kind of guy that the Islanders will not, and I mean will not let anything, they will not let him go at any means necessary. I think what's going to happen because of the whole pandemic and the whole, you know, even with the cap and everything, I think he'll take a bridge deal. I think it makes sense for the Islanders to do a bridge deal that can lead to a longer term deal because... You know, he's still just scratching the surface. Yes, he won the Calder Trophy, and yes, he's had 86 points and and 60 points in his first two uh, 
80, no, he had 86 points his first season, his rookie season, and then he's had 60 points each the last two years. He's not even close to where his ceiling is, I don't think. I think he can, uh, from watching him every single game, you know, I think he could be a top 10 player in this league. And Barry Trotz is the perfect guy to guide him there. And I think it's also surrounding him with the right guys to get him, you know, to where he should be. And I think that even though I, I'm not going to say that they don't have that guy right now, I think they still need an elite winger. They really, really do. I think that will really take them over the top because they've got, they've got Sorokin now, who's going to be their future goaltender. They've got a very good defense, which were, has been fantastic the last few years, even though they fell off a little bit this year, but that was due to a lot of injuries. It's their offense that is really going to take them over the top. And Barzell is the guy who's going to get them there. So I think that he'll get a bridge deal. I think eight and a half million is the right, the perfect is the perfect number. And then it, it turns into a longer term deal. And by the time there's a longer term deal that needs to be made, the Owls will have Belmont. Belmont will already be built. Uh, it'll they'll be playing in Belmont. This organization could look a hell of a lot different because of Lou Amarillo at the top, and who knows what decisions he can do, you know, to bring a team to another uh, to the next level. We saw it with the Devils with what he did with the three Stanley Cups there. So uh, I think he's going to be an Islander for life. I don't think I think I give it a maybe a, like a zero point five percent chance he like is not here within the next three to four years. It it, it would just it just be another huge blow and just uh, to the franchise, and frankly, it would just it just doesn't make any sense for it to happen. Well, I will say that, um, yeah, I, I can, you make great points. And for the sake of the Islanders uh, fans, <laughs> I hope he stays. Don't worry, there will, there will be a line, there will be a line in the middle of the Meadowbrook Parkway if he ends up <laughs> leaving the way, not even just the way Tavares did, but if he just leaves in general, people will never let him live it down. Just like Tavares gets the same treatment. We know why he left. But for Barzo to leave, something would have had to go on completely, completely haywire, which right now I don't see happening with the way the Islands are trending in the right direction. You better hope there's not a picture of him sleeping in Ranger pajamas anywhere. No, it would be Seattle Kraken. It would be the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> they don't even it didn't exist. What do you What do you think of that? I like. I, I love it. Name. I love the it. Are, the uniforms are beautiful. I love it. I love it. I, I mean, I think I, I feel like I, lo- I they could have actually put a Kraken on the jersey. To be perfectly honest with you, maybe. But, I mean, there's just a cracking tentacle and it's hidden in the S and it has the red little I, I, eye. I like it's it awesome. better than I like it better than the sock eyes and the Metropolitans, even though oh, I read God. that the, the yeah. NHL would not have allowed the Metropolitan. That would have been terrible to be perfectly honest with you. Um okay, so let's let's uh, start to wrap up. We're gonna give our predictions sure. for both series. All right, we'll give our predictions for uh, Islanders, Florida, and we'll give our predictions for Rangers, Carolina. Uh, since you are a guest, I will let mm. you give your predictions for the Panthers versus Isles series. You know, I, I am a blogger, and yes, I am a fan, and I don't want to be biased, but I like the Islanders in four. The reason why I think that I think the Islanders match up well with the Panthers. I think the Islanders have the better defense. I think that if the Islanders can get even a smidge of what they got offensively from their guys in that seven uh, before everything went to hell this season, where they were riding that 17 game point streak, they're going to be fine. And I just don't like I don't like Florida in the sense that their defense doesn't really impress me beyond. Keith and 
Ekblad. And beyond their first line, beyond their big guns, like Barkov and Huberto and Dadanov, I am not impressed. I, I just, it's, there's something about that team. And I, I said it on a previous podcast I was on yesterday. They're a mirror image of the Islands. They have a great head coach. They've got certain guys who are in this, who are on their team that could be total game breakers and who are bona fide suit stars. But there's just something missing. And I think with the Panthers, I, I just think that the Islands have the better, they have the they have more depth. I think they have the better defense. I'm not going to say goaltending. I think that could be a that that could be split down the middle. Even though Bobrovsky is a Vezina winner, but who knows the kind of Bobrovsky we're going to get? You know, in this playoffs, he could he could be the guy last year that helped Columbus make it to the second round finally, or he could be the guy who's who was a choke artist. The past, I hate to use that word. The past, you know, the t- the other times he was in the playoffs. So I like the Islanders in four. If the series goes five, I wouldn't be surprised. But anything, if the series is only three games, I'll be shocked. I would really be shocked. That means that one team just had to totally obliterate the other. Well, I am going to take the Panthers in four. And the reason being, all right, well, I should, let me, let me just, it's the Panthers in four. Islanders could win the series. I I think it's close enough. The reason why I'm picking the Panthers is because a Bobrovsky is better than Marlamov or guys, as far as I'm concerned, Thomas (laughs) Christ, as far as I'm concerned. Um, And unless Bar, you know, Matthew Barzell plays off his head for me and just, you know, is, is leading the charge offensively. I don't think they, they're going to have enough offensively to beat the Panthers, who I think are, are a very talented group of forwards. I think the Panthers defense is decent. I don't think it's awesome. I, obviously, I think the Islanders have an edge there. I'm going to say, you know, Quenville and, and Trotz are, are wash. I'm not even going to concern myself. It's going to be a chess match. It's going to be a chess match. Yeah, I, I'm not going to concern myself with that. I just, I have to say, goaltending-wise, edge Florida. Forward-wise, edge Florida. Defense, edge Islanders. And I think that's going to, when I just break it down in the simplest form there i think it's the panthers and four and that's just my reasoning behind it now you're right but broski tanks it's, it's over it's simple as that if the island if varlama plays off the off his off his head and and barzell's doing what he does offensively the islanders are going to win that series in four like you said but i'm just saying going into it that's my pick florida and four for those reasons now, i'll just leave you i'll leave you one quote for that series before we get to the rangers and, and hurricanes defense does win championships remember it's that it's not football when it's it comes to the Islanders, when they, but you know what? When the Island, when it comes to the Islanders now, defense is their is their baby, and if they play to their game, they're as good as any team in the NHL. All right, so here's what, and now we're gonna that actually helps me segue into <laughs> the Rangers in Carolina, and I'm gonna give a little bit more reasoning behind it. So now, I'll let you go first. Who's your pick between the Rangers and Carolina? Rangers in five, Rangers. and the reason I reason I say that is I think that the Rangers are, and I'm not even going based off the regular season because I know the, the regular season was a watch and the Rangers won all four games. I think that the Rangers have more firepower than Carolina does. And that's no disrespect to Sebastian Ajo and Justin Williams and, you know, Tara Tarabinen. But, you know, Artemi Panarin is light years ahead of a guy, uh, those type of guys. And I feel like Mika Zibanejad is just coming into his own. I think this could be a told, this, this kind of playoff could catapult him to even bigger superstar status more than he was this year. And I, I just think that, you know, Carolina does have the better defense. You know, I saw firsthand with Jacob Slavin and with Brett Pesci and with all those guys that did the Islanders this year, they suffocated them, mm-hmm. but the Islanders are a slower team. 
the Rangers are not a slow team. They're a very fast moving team. They're a puck possession team. They're a physical team. They don't let you get, they, they don't let you move out of the zone, you know, as much as you should. So, and I don't know. I, I just think Carolina, like, just like Florida, there, there's a missing ingredient there. And I think that the Rangers have it in the, in their, their top heavy and goaltending wise, you know, who's going to, who's going to be the hurricanes goaltender, you know, that, that's, mm. That's the biggest question, and mm-hmm. uh, the Rangers already have that. You know, we, we talked about it before. Igor Shostorkin is going to be their guy, yeah. and even if he doesn't, and even he, if he doesn't play well, you have Henrik Lundqvist right behind him. That's right. two capable goalies of not even stealing your series, but winning your series. And I, I just, I don't like Carolina's goaltending situation as opposed to the Rangers. And I just think that the Rangers have a, something. They have a little bit more extra than what Carolina does, and I think that I think it's going to be a very hard fought series. It's going to be, I think, one of the fastest, most entertaining series of the playoff, uh, of the qualifying round. But I got to go with the Rangers in five, as much as I hate to say it. I, I actually, I'm looking forward to watching Edmonton, Chicago. I think that's going to be a blast. It's going to be boring. I just want, guys, and I can't wait for that because both that, teams that, suck. There's no defense. Yeah. It's going to be great. So, I'm going I'm to go into my, my points here. So, so Rangers, Carolina. I have the Rangers winning this in three, and I'm going to explain it wow. really simple. Sweet. I could do the same simple breakdown. Offensively, okay. Rangers. Goaltending, Rangers. I mean, by far, on both sides. The defense edge Carolina. However, no Dougie Hamilton, probably, and no Brett Pesci, it sounds like, either. Now, I know they went out and they got you know more defense at the trade deadline, whatever. That's still... That's still a well, big game. Dougie Hamilton they, not playing in the first possible three games of that series is a huge blow. I think he plays. Uh, and you mentioned the trade deadline. They traded for um, Sammy Botnan, who yep. we, we don't know. Well, that, he's a question mark. But I hear you. I, I, I think if Hamilton plays, that's another huge – it's a huge advantage for them because he's big, he's strong. And the Rangers are more they, – they're not totally size-wise. You know, Dougie Hamilton's almost six foot five. Yep. And, you know, a, a, a guy like Panera, not even a guy like Panera, but a guy like Ryan Strom or Philip Hedel going up against a guy like that, it's going to be very, very tough. Now, what you said before, let me ask you this question. What's easier yeah. to play, offense or defense? Defense. Defense is easier to play than offense? In if your you, mind? I, I, if you're a puck possession team, uh, if you're a puck possession team where you don't have to worry as much about it, yeah. All right. Well, here's my thought process. If this was a normal regular season and teams were going from a regular season into a playoffs, mm-hmm. okay, having secured and played their defensive system and their foundation, they coming out of the gate, there should be no issue. But we are talking about you haven't played in four months. And nailing down a system is a hell of a lot harder than being an offensively gifted team or talented offensive player and generating offense out for creativity. And that, to me, is a big factor, at least in the, in the qualifying round and in the first round. Teams yeah. are going to have to take a while to get their bearings because you can practice your system all you want. That's you can do exhibition plan. games, too. It yeah, doesn't make that, a difference. Still, that's a plan. And everyone has one until they get punched in the mouth. 
And I'm going to use that Mike Tyson quote again. And I'm pretty damn sure it's Mike Tyson. And if somebody will have to tell but I swear to God, look, it's got to be Tyson. Let me look it up. I'm going to look it up right now. Because I think it was in his heyday and people were like, yeah, I got a plan. And Tyson used to be like, you know, yeah, everyone's got a plan until I punched him in the mouth. Uh, but the truth of the matter is that's what my feeling is. And, it was Mike oh, Tyson. You're right. Yes. So my, that's my feeling that it's tougher to play, to, to, to get your system set. That's why so many teams sometimes struggle coming out of exhibition and training camps and the October rolls around and they, some, they're still getting their systems in place. You, they haven't played in four months. And it's just like, if you're going into playoff action, hoping, hoping that you're going to be able to nail your play, you know, you'd be able to get your system down pat of your breakouts and everything else and how you want to set up defensively. I think the, fir- the the first qualifying round and first round is going to have some of the highest goal scoring games, and it's going to take maybe even until the second round before teams really settle into their systems. And that's I will, why I pick the I'll, Rangers. I will give it to I'll give it to you this way. Also, when the Rangers just before the pandemic hit, they were really starting to hit their stride, and it's because they were playing to the system. That, they were playing to their system. Mm-hmm. So I completely agree with you that it could take teams, you know, a little bit to adjust back to the way they were. But I feel like the, a team like the Rangers, who play, like we said, that fast speed pace style game, I feel like this is going to be right in their wheelhouse. And against and Carolina is going to make them work for it because Carolina is also, like we said, a fast pace, you know, put shove it down your throat type of team. So I I think I like your pick. The, with the Rangers and I, and I completely get, I under, I completely am with some of your points, but, and I feel like if, even if the Rangers get punched in the face first, I feel like they can come right back because they do have the offensive firepower, even though they're top heavy, that top heavy firepower is just as good as any in the NHL right now. If Carolina wants to win this series, they better win game one, because if the Rangers win another game, they've won five in a row this season that I don't care. Everyone says it doesn't matter. It's like I bull. <laughs> it's if that, if they win that game, especially if they win it handily, I don't want not a blowout because you could always go, all right, we just had a bad game. But if you win it for nothing, four to one, you win it handily and you don't feel like you did anything or you just don't feel like I'm telling you, it's going to play because it's, this is not a one seat. This is not a one-off. The Rangers have had the Carolina Hurricanes number for now three seasons. Three seasons. I think uh, they're ten and two in the last three years against them. Dude, I don't, I don't know. If, do you know their record against Carolina at the Garden since two thousand nine? No. What is they it for lost, since since two thousand nine? They lost one uh, game. All right. Well, they're and not playing one, at the Garden, and, so it's fun. It's funny. The one game was the anniversary, the twenty fifth year anniversary of the Stanley Cup team a year ago. <laughs> That's when they lost, and Carolina was wearing their Whalers jersey, and, which was. Which no, I think it was the Whaley Judges or the the Hurricane, but that was the only time in the last ten years that the Rangers lost to the to Carolina at the Garden, which is astonishing. Let, let, let me so, just say to all, it's to not just, just three years, just the, to all NHL teams out there, if you're playing the Rangers on a night they're celebrating or retiring a jersey or celebrating an anniversary, you're gonna beat them because they can never win on those nights. It drives me insane. <laughs> That's true. All right, brother. I can't thank you enough for being on the show. Rob, Rob, I appreciate it. Just so everyone knows, Rob is, is, is a class act. You know, Rangers Islanders, we could have fun, but you know, I don't hate the Rangers. I'll put this out there. I don't hate the Rangers. You know, but here's the thing. I used to, because I grew up with a lot of Ranger fan friends, but when I, when I did cover the Rangers for half a season uh, in 2016, under Stan Fischler, 
Mm-hmm. And I had to change my tune. I had to change my tune. I, I, you know, I kept my mouth shut. I didn't show any affiliation and I, you know, it, they were a night, they were a fun team to cover, but I, I learned then, you know, if I was going to be in this business, if I was going to be in the writing business or, you know, the sports covering business, you can't show hatred. You can't show, but you know, I, do we, do I like to, you know, like have fun with Ranger fans and, you know, piss them off here and there? Sure. But that's yeah, just, absolutely. That's, that's just part of being on Twitter. That's just a part of the rivalry. And yeah, you know, it's, it's all fun and games. Uh, some people like to take it too seriously, but uh, I stay away from that. Right. I hear you. And when Barzell goes to the Kraken, I promise I won't give you too much. <laughs> oh my God. When Ryan uh, Strom leaves, I will, I will send you a box of tissues. <laughs> Anyway, guys, totally uh, different, totally different situation. (laughs) So I want to thank uh, Rob for for joining us today. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope Islander fans will tune in as well. Uh, I I think we had some good banter. And I think there's a lot of good points and a lot of great insights. Uh, Rob, do me a favor. Give uh, give the plugs that you need to give your uh, Twitter handle and everything else. So, so my... So my Twitter handle is rtab underscore. Uh, you can find me at uh, my Isles blog. I'm a blogger and a contributor there. You can also find my work at Empire Sports Media. It's another New York sports outlet. We cover all teams, all things New York sports. I'm the mm-hmm. Islanders writer, but I uh, I do have an article there from last week uh, talking about uh, the rivalry between Shosturkin and Sorokin, which will be great uh, for the for the hockey scene for the next ten years. And you can. Uh, that's basically it. I mean, I don't think you need to follow me on Facebook or Instagram because then you'll really see that I don't like the Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic guy. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, and I might even try to get you to see if I can get a, a contribution for the Daily Goldhorn one day. You never know. You never know. <laughs> Maybe. I Look, uh, I'm uh, as much like whatever writing I could find and uh, I don't mind doing it because it's still fun for me. And even though I don't get paid for it, but, you know, I, I still like to write, you know, we're, but we're all, we're all working at we're, oh, we're yeah. all working that. We're all, we all are. All right, Rob. Thank you so much. And everyone, thank you, man. thank you so much for joining us this week. I'm looking to have another podcast later on this week with another surprise guest. No announcements. I don't like to count my chickens before they hatch, but Ranger mm. fans will really enjoy it. So hopefully that podcast hits on Friday. Thank you, everyone. And have a good night. <laughs>